Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Free Kick, the Fantasy W Podcast. I'm your host Jono and we are back with another Cracker Round 3 review. I have to say, this was one of the highest scoring rounds we've had this season. I was seriously impressed by some of the uh, premium scores that we put up. We're going to go through our teams first and Liam, we might start with you. How have you gone this round? Bad. Terribly. Moving on, Will, how did you do this week? (laughs) No, no, we're not letting you off that easy, mate. What, what was your score? What was your score? Uh, like, so at the time of recording, we we don't have an official ranking or, or a score, but it'll be my calculations. I'm at ten seventy four, which yeah, is pretty pretty grim. It'll, it's you know past the thousand mark on my uh, on the on the round rank, so not great. Yeah, look, I'm I'm keen to get to your negative three sections because I reckon you got a few to doll out there. But moving on, Will, you've put up a much higher score here. How have you gone for the round? Yeah, I've managed to put up a 11.38, which I think puts me just below the 500 mark. So I've been pretty consistent this year around that 500 overall slash round rank. So I'm expecting to be about there once the official rankings come out once again. Yeah, mate, this is uh, three. Well, the second week in a row that your team has done better than the one prior. Your your team is flying now after a slow start. I mean, flying slowly. Fly. I wouldn't have said flying. <laughs> if I was flying, I'd be uh, heading up towards the top hundred. I'm I'm very very slowly creeping up in the scores. So we'll see. His team how is I considering go. takeoff. Yeah, I don't know if it's flying just yet. <laughs> We're clear for landing. No, cleared for takeoff. <laughs> And uh, clear, mm. oh, clear for landing. My team has landed well yeah. and truly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, uh, another person who is waiting to take off is Mel. She can't join us today because Qantas has left her on the tarmac. And uh, I think she's been delayed a day there, so she won't be joining us this week. But she's had another good round. She's coming in rank 45 overall, and she's put up a 1,171, which I, I think is probably a good chance to keep her in the top 100. So very, very well done from her. Uh, and of the four of us, I have fortunately top scored. I put out a 1,212, which my guess has me around 90th for the round, just seeing you know where Selby's put out those, those markers earlier today. But look, let's jump into some of our plus and minus threes. Liam, we might start with you, with your negative threes of the week. Tell us, what, what went wrong for you? A lot, but the, the biggest problem is due to a mechanical issue that I had when making my trades, I was stuck with Alana Barber on field instead of Tamara Smith. So instead of having a very nice 57 and getting to enjoy the high tackling performance that uh, Tam Smith got to put together, I had to watch Alana put up, Barber put up 11. So yeah, that was already not going to be an incredible round rank meant that I still somehow managed to lose 45 odd points. Yeah, that I have to say that hurts. Uh, definitely a few technical issues last week with a few teams resetting, and this is why it's very helpful to just double check your team at that four forty five slot. But yeah, I have to say after the week before, I thought Barber was going to do even better. So a little little disappointing to see that eleven come out again. The the role was just horrid. Sat as a fat side winger for the entire game, and as we talked about 
her scoring comes predominantly from tackling. It's it's hard to get tackles on a fat side wing on I think what is one of the high, the widest grounds that are that are played on by the AFLW team. So it was a concoction of terrible for a player that I didn't really want in my starting side anyway. Yeah, and while we're at it, they didn't need the wings. Uh, the Essendon Bombers, they were just walking straight out of the middle. That's one of the highest scores we've seen in the AFLW so far. I think it was the highest halftime score we've ever had in the AFLW. It was seriously impressive. Look, that's the only thing that made me feel not too depressed this week was the (laughs) first half of the Bombers game because that was truly dominant. I did not know that uh, Steph Wales was better than Tomahawk, but apparently (laughs) she is. It was an incredible game to watch. Just depressing to know that as good as the Bombers were doing, there was one player who was dragging my team score down. What about on the other side of things? Did you have a plus three for us? Ooh, so my plus three, also a rookie, and that is Billie Eilish Sheeran, who looked incredible, back to her round one best in that game against Hawthorne. With a 73. 73, and we were watching this game together, and every time she got it, she just runs forward and kicks the ball just her ability to intercept and then get around one or two tacklers is just incredible for a player which is essentially new to the aflw she looks just incredible and i think the 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 comment i made when we were watching this game together is she plays the game a little bit like gaelic which is like i am just going to try and do these like figures like these s's just running around people which means that she just gets possessions constantly and then usually follows it up with a second run. A huge score from a rookie. One of the best in the back line for the round. So not surprised she's picked up your plus three there. Will, how about yourself? Who's your negative three of the week? Much like Liam, it pains me to say, because she's one of my all-time favourite players, captain of my club, Geelong. Meg McDonald started very well for us, Jono, but unfortunately, I mean, Geelong's game style hasn't really suited her because for the last two weeks... The ball just hasn't been down there enough for her, uh, which means she might have to be moved on. On the other side of things, I've also gone for a mid-pricer as my plus three. Also from Richmond was Ellie McKenzie. She'd been slowly working up uh, a bit of money, but hadn't really set the world on fire. But a, a big score in the 70s this week against Hawthorne just means she'll uh, save herself from the chopping block another week. So I've given her the plus three <laughs> as probably the only player in my team that exceeded expectations i suppose yeah this is the ellie mckenzie that we saw in the preseason that made us want to start her she Mm. was huge on the weekend i have to say Mm. do you think this is a case of in the preseason they played hawthorne and then in round three they played hawthorne is it just her favorite team and there's no one else she's going to score like this against yeah it certainly worries me that that might be the case i think one of the problems and we highlighted this earlier liam very rightly said that Rather than playing a lot in that centre, she's been playing that kick ahead of the stoppage, which isn't always a friendly role. So I think for her, she's still got a bit of money to make, but I think she's a player that I'm going to be looking to move out sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, fair enough. Mel has sent through her plus or minus threes. I think she brought in Ash McCarthy on the trade this week and has thrown up a 77 for up forward. So very happy with that. It's been given the plus three. On the other side, she's actually gone a very, very harsh minus three here of Elise Parker, uh, who put up an 82 in the midfield and is currently the highest averaging player for the year, I believe. But I think that is probably due to the fact that she had a captain. So uh, a little bit disappointing there. Was looking electric in that first half, but I suppose against the Swans just didn't need to keep it up. I, I think 
let's not give the minus three to Elise Parker because she looked like she was on fire. Can we give the minus three to Scott Gowans, who decided Sydney was still going to get smashed, Elise Parker was always going to get the most coaches' votes, but she needed a tag about halfway through the second quarter. Why? What was the point? <laughs> well, clearly it's to get yeah, Bridie no. Kennedy near the ball for all those who have held on to her for the through the two weeks despite uh, us saying that we should trade her. So, Like, yes, that that's good, uh. but I don't know if anyone can you know reasonably say they should be starting Bridie Kennedy, but Elise Parker was the primo pick for captain given what she could do against easier sides. And yet somehow it was like, no, she needs to tag. I was just furious. It was just looking so good in that first <laughs> half as well, wasn't it, Liam? Like, all of us like were going, yep, we've, na- we've nailed this one, looking good, and just, as you say, tailed off thanks to that tag. I've gone uh, a plus three here to the person that I should have tagged, and that's Ebony Marinoff. Should have captained, in fact. <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> Hey, I'd love to sort of captains. Apologies. I would love to see you, Jono, try and tag Ebony Marinoff. I would. F- I would for fail. like yeah. five minutes. To be fair, I, I reckon North Melbourne could have chucked a tag on her, given how good she was. When she just had one of those games where, if she wanted the ball, there was no one stopping her. She was running through everybody. Even just, I think at one point she knocked a player out because she wanted to just kick the ball, and her foot went through the player's head to get to the ball. Like, oh, yeah. and concussed that player didn't come back on. Yeah, no, they did get concussed. They're off. They're out for a week. Yeah, it sounded uh, like she uh, put her foot literally through their skull. From the way he said that, Jono, yeah. <laughs> it looked like it. Yeah, look, it's. Uh, I don't. I think it was incidental in the contest, but not not a suspension risk or anything. But just a unstoppable hundred and thirty-one there. I think the big thing for for Noffy this week is it's fifteen tackles. At once, mm. every three or four games, Noffy goes like mid-teens in the tackles. And that anchors her ceiling scores. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she's going to rack up the disposals. But as you say, Liam, when she hits those, you know, above ten tackles, that's when you're pretty comfortable saying that she's going to put in a big one. On the other side of things, I'm going to throw in a rookie for my minus three, which I don't feel great about. But it's Liz McGrath. Uh, a 36 was not what I was hoping for, even though she was up against Brianne Moody, and. I think it was less about the score and it was more about the fact that she is no longer their number one ruck. Liv Levicki is now their number one ruck and it's not a good role to be playing Liz McGrath as a key forward position with Gemma Houghton out for the next few weeks. I think that's something they might roll with and it's it's just a bit of cause for concern for me. Yeah, I think much like uh, the Elise Parker one, that's a, a minus three to Loz Arnell for swinging that change rather than putting Levicki up forward. With uh, my bench ruck currently Tamara Luke, that is a worry. That is concerning, mm. yeah, very concerning. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that with my trades this week. So you're saying maybe you you, you should have traded in uh, another <laughs> ruck for for Tamara Luke? Should you? For, I'm very for, for, happy with for my maybe trades because for 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 role or matchup based concerns, I can't think of some genius who might have thought and said this before. I can't now, possibly... now, one thing I will jump in here with Liam is Jono has quite easily outstripped both of us this week, so I'm not going to get too high <laughs> on my horse for this one. <laughs> no, no, no. I need this tiny Shetland pony of a horse <laughs> to be able to jump on because about the only thing I got right this week. Uh, look, Liam, if I end up trading for another ruck that I was going to plan field for me, then yes, I will apologise. 
But if I end up deciding to go full risk and I get on Zagetti as my utility playing in my ruck for the next few rounds, we're going to have a very different conversation next week. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. <laughs> Fleur Davies, come on down. Now that we're actually getting into our trades for the week, I think this is the week that our upgrade season begins. We are finally getting to the point where you've had six fix-up trades over the first two rounds. A lot of our rookies have put on a little bit of cash, shown us what they're going to do. Uh, and same with some of our premiums. I think we've now got a good sample size to see who's going to be the best scorers for the year and who's probably due for a downturn. So I think now we're probably looking at who is very, very cheap and a, a chance at that top five role. That's who we want to target. So this week, we've looked at our sweet 16, the 16 players that we want on field for the rest of the season if we had the ability to get the best 16 players into our team. I think money-wise, we might struggle, but you know these, these are the, the types of players I think that if we can target and get them in, yeah, do it, do it now. Absolutely, players to target rather than uh, necessarily players that you should be having right now, obviously. I might kick us off with the best five defenders that I see from this point onwards, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this. So to run through the five quickly, uh, D1, Ruby Schleicher, D2, Chelsea Randall, D3, Emma Carney, uh, D4, Katie Lynch, and lucky last at D5 is Bianca Jacobson. So I know the first thing there is, there's a bit of a source of contention between Ruby Schleicher and Chelsea Randall. To me, they are clear cut, well ahead of anyone else. Yes, and I'm also... I've said it almost every week we've brought up Chelsea Randall. That's one I said preseason was a good one to jump on. So, again, if you haven't looked at her now, she's almost getting to that stage where she's beyond the cheap price point that you could have got her earlier. She'll be up above 100000 I believe, this week. So she's now in that premium category. I think with these two, they're both probably good for around about an 80 average. Uh, it'll just basically be whichever one can finish the season stronger. But I think they're... I agree with you there, Jono. They're probably the two clear-cut one and two. Similarly agree that they're a clear one and two. The reason why I think I'm hotter on Ruby being D1 for the rest of the season is Chelsea Randall may fall victim to the fact that her role has been different each of the last three weeks with where she plays. There's There's no particular reason why she can't go back to playing a little bit more of that defender role that she played in round one. Whereas, and, and, and we were talking about it with the expansion sides, but even just in the game against Richmond, she spent a bunch of time in the middle, but then Adelaide weren't kicking any goals, so she spent a bunch of time up forward and scored fewer points as a forward. It really might be that there will be you know a bunch of weeks where she'll be the highest scoring defender, but you couldn't say hand on heart that she'll be playing in that kind of good role week to week. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing that I really like about Slicer is her ability to score in the back line is proven and she's getting midfield time as well. So I think that she's basically got a consistent role and she's got two consistent roles and both of them are fine for her scoring. So I think in that regard, you can probably bank her in for a more consistent scoring season, if nothing else. It's a very, very comfortable top two we've got there. At number three, we've chucked down Emma Carney. I think this weekend she finally got the chance to show what she can score. Because she scored a 79 off essentially three quarters. She copped a couple heavy knocks during that game and had to go off twice due to those. And she still put up a very, very respectable score. You say she showed what she can do. She also committed the cardinal sin of defenders 
which is taking kick-ins and not walking out of the square. She had five of them, and she got out of the square for two. She missed out on the whole nine <laughs> points in her three quarters, which would have made her just an incredible score for a defender. I'll, I'll try like, and put a positive spin on it, Liam, by say, room for improvement. Oh, it was so <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> she hasn't been taken most of them this season. I think Brooke Brown's been doing that. So she's clearly inexperienced at the kick-out game, and she's working on it, right? I think I think there's room for improvement, as Will says. Oh, there, there is room for improvement, but it's just like, oh, she showed what she could do. It's like, there's still easy room for more. Easy room, easy room. At four or five, I've put Katie Lynch and Bianca Jacobson based on the fact that they've started well, their roles are very, very locked in and safe, and I'm very happy with that. But there are a few pounding down the door that I want to talk about, uh, which is Lauren Butler at Collingwood, Nat Grider at the Lions, Gab Pound at Carlton, Isabel Pritchard at the Bulldogs, and last but not least is Molly Eastman at the Swans. The only rookie on my entire Sweet 16 list who I genuinely think has a chance of pushing into that top five average for the season. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing about all of these players, not just Lynch and Jacobson, but the ones you said that are in the mix, all of them are probably on track for that consistent 60 sort of score, which... Basically, if one of one or two of them decides to have a game where they go really big and scores an 80 or a 90, that might even be the difference between D4 and D7 uh, in terms of final scores. So I think you'd be fairly comfortable with most of these players in your team later in the season. I think the one, as you say, that's probably the most interesting is Eastman just because she's coming from that low price. So if if you've got her in like most of the competition has you may end up having someone who maybe not top five, but will be close enough that you could almost hold her the entire season. Yeah, I think the big thing for, for Eastman is she's had basically the same number of possessions every week. She's a leading kick-out player for Sydney, and the ball's in their defense a lot. That's a pretty epic combo for consistent scoring. And when she had her highest score of the season of an 86, she also had 10 tackles. So... I would say that of of the players that are not named in the top five who are in the mix, I actually think she may have the highest upside. Mm, absolutely. The one to me that was the hardest to leave out was probably Gab Pound, based on what we know she can do. And I think I've only really left her out because she did miss on the weekend and there's no real return date in mind. She was missing for personal reasons. So that's that's the biggest flag there, why I wouldn't be trading her in just at the moment until that reasoning becomes a little bit more clear. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen in the first round what she can do. Scored very well against Collingwood. Less good against the Bombers. So she's probably one to watch and may end up losing a bit of of money across the season just with that lower score. So kind of in that carny camp of we'll drop a bit of money and might be a, a good one to pick up later in the season pending her coming back, of course. Now, at the other end of the field, we've got a few downgrade options to consider. Uh, obviously, if you're trying to get up to any of these, you need to be doing a downgrade somewhere. And even then, a lot of our rookie defenders have been struggling to score. So I think the obvious one, if you haven't got Molly Eastman, continue to back her in. She's clearly going to be one of the better players there. But if you haven't got her, the question is, where do we think it's best to go down to? Liam, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think, who would you go down to if you had choice of any rookie defender this week? Oh, that's a very, very good question. I still think 
that if you haven't got Eilish Sheeran, she's worthwhile bringing in. I think she was second for for Rich or maybe third for Richmond for possessions on the weekend, and that is pretty remarkable for a, a, a rookie defender. And we also know that she's got experience in her legs, so I don't anticipate that she'd be someone who'd be likely to get dropped. I think all of the other rookies, I've got some concerns on their downgrade. So, like, on the flip side of Gab Pound being out, I think Annie Lee is someone you can definitely consider who's rookie-priced and has replaced Pound taking kick-ins, can probably get you an average of 50, which, given she'll be priced in the 30s, is is pretty solid. And I think, just quickly on Sheeran, I think you do have to accept that every so often she might have a stinker, like she did in round two. But just because she has that upside of being able to pump out a 70 as a rookie player, I think, yeah, makes her almost a must-have. One that I've been really impressed by in the last couple of weeks has been Amber Clark. I think in the first round, she put out a stinker. It was single-digit score. But since then, she has put up some pretty decent scores. And Essendon are looking very, very good with two wins from three games. Is it Liam, you're a Bomber supporter. Has she just settled in there? Is that all that is? Yeah, and I think there are a few plus factors for Amber Clark. She's kick dominant, she's getting CBAs, and she's basically otherwise playing on a wing. The biggest thing in the negative column is the fact that she came in as one of the most expensive players, and given she scored 6-7 on the weekend, she will probably be one of the more expensive kind of downgrade targets that we have. So it would definitely impact who your upgrade could target could be on the other side. There is a possibility that she probably goes on to average a 55 for the rest of the season if she's sitting at that 20% CBA mark, but then also just otherwise sitting out in the wing. One thing that you did mention there, kick dominant. 16 disposals against West Coast, all of them kicks. Which is beautiful. Oh, you love to see that. She's the anti-Eliza West or Liv Purcell. So that's the, the, one, <laughs> the one flag I will throw up there is 16 disposals, all kicks, five marks, one tackle. So the the only thing for me is if she doesn't get those disposals, that's where the scoring is going to drop. But I still think that it's a game style that is suited to the fantasy game. And her scoring chart so far has been linear going up 23, 46, 67. I think that she's a really good option if you are looking to to move to someone uh, at a rookie price. And in fairness to her, it is hard to tackle West Coast if they never have the ball. Correct. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough life. Uh, I think for me, the only other one that we haven't talked that much about who debuted this weekend was Yasmin Dersma. She was one that a lot of people were quite keen on pre-season until she didn't get named round one. Uh, but she looked pretty good against Carlton. Only scored a 46, but probably will be better for the run. And I expect to stay in that team. The only problem there is going up against Carlton, we know they're not a particularly difficult team to score against. And additionally, she is a purely outside player playing on a wing, which we've discussed this multiple times. Wings on expansion sides are a very up and down role, particularly in those that are not particularly good. We've kind of seen the up and down scoring of a Brooke Lachlan, for example. Mm. I think that's the, that's the red flag that it comes with. But yeah, I also agree with John and I. We watched the entirety of this game in person. She's definitely had an impact and, as you said, passes the eye test. I just don't know whether or not she'd be a consistent enough scorer. The one thing I will say as well, actually, is that she will not only be probably the cheapest of these options having only debuted this week, but her next few matches are pretty favourable. She's got Sydney coming up, 
and then Gold Coast, who have been leaking points. So probably not a bad one to bring in for a short-term little bit of money. The only other options that I think we have to consider, if you wanted to avoid the rookies but go the mid-prices, there were 200-plus scores in our defender lineup this week, which is rare to see. And from very unusual sources, I'll say that. (laughs) Very unusual sources, yeah. I think... The first one is Phoebe Monaghan at the Lions, and I think this one for me is a more of a tip of the cap. Well done. I don't think we can expect this. This is about 40 points above her next highest scoring game from what I could see, so I, I think I'm happy to let that one pass us by. But the other one is Eileen Gilroy at the Hawks, Gilly. and I think this is a lot of interest. This is a 100 score here, and she did it from, I think, a dozen tackles, and I think the Hawks really really need her to be honest with some of the injuries that have gone down recently to be bringing that tackling pressure i'm very happy with this one because this was one of my mid-price madness picks at pick four in the draft i managed to get uh an okay pick of eileen gilroy (laughs) she's a player that i'm considering trading uh meg mcdonald to if i can work the money around uh with some of my other trades yeah she looked fantastic was pretty much everywhere, tackling, getting kicks. One of the few players, as you say, Jono, that can get that outside run and move the ball forward, and that's a, a an important role for a expansion team. So I think that she will probably see a bit more midfield time as well. So I think the big thing for Gilroy, as much as she didn't see any CBAs in that Richmond game, they had her running off halfback, which is a great position mm. in, an ex- in a, an expansion side who... You know, in fairness to all sixteen other clubs, Hawthorne are not the world's best. <laughs> I think I think it's a wooden spoon race between Hawthorne and Sydney. How you feel about that, Jono? <laughs> I think it's a race we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty a good, good guess from the AFL because that was pick one and pick two. I think they kind of knew from the vibes that they weren't going to be the world's best teams. As you say, with that running off halfback role, it basically meant that she was spending a lot of time in the midfield without that CBAs, as you say, Liam. So she was basically coming straight off the back of the square in around that stoppage. Uh, yeah, fantastic role for fantasy scoring. So definitely one to, to keep an eye on. Very, very attainable price. I think a lot of the questions we get are around that 70, 70K defender because that's, you know, if you've started with one of these mid-prices, it's hard to go much further up to get your, your Carnies and your Randalls. And this is a this is a price point that I think a lot of people could be jumping on. So, yeah, keen to see if she can keep that up. Hopefully she does. A bit of a specky pick if people want to go there. We might move on to midfielders then. Oh, the midfield. So to jump back into our sweet 16, I think we have a fairly settled top five players here, four of which you know we, we knew ahead of the season were going to be in the mix here. But there's been a little bit of a shuffling of the order. So... We're going to just race through them quickly. At M1, I have Anne Hatchard from the Crows. M2, Ebony Marinoff from the Crows. The pair started very, very strongly there with, uh, I think, both averaging around about 100 to start the year. At number three, we've got Ash Riddell. Number four, Kiara Bowers. And number five, Elise Parker. Yeah, very, very happy with her start to the season. Why don't we start off with the Crows? I think I've got them one and two with Hatchard slightly edging out Marinoff just based on her consistency. But this is a this is a hard one to split these two. Yeah, the, the two best fantasy midfielders in the game right now. And 
it's very hard to split them. As you say, Hatchard more consistent, but Marinoff probably the slightly higher ceiling. It's a it's a toss of the coin for me for which one tops it. But if you can get them both in your team by a season, then you'll be a very very happy coach. Yeah, I, I think the the interesting one is Hatchard only had forty percent CBAs on the last weekend, which seemed a really really big flag there. But yeah, for the, for the moment, I think. Even even being a little bit outside, she still put up a 94. You can't argue with that consistency. So happy to have that there. Her ability to mark means that CBAs, not getting CBAs, isn't too great a concern for Hatchard. Obviously better if she is in there, but she'll score well wherever she's playing in that midfield. Kiara Bowers at number four does not feel great, I have to say. But I think given the, the preseason she had, this is probably what we can expect from here on out. I think I think she should be M5. I think Elise Parker should be M4. I have a lot of worries about Bowers this season. And while I think that she definitely can turn the season around and pump out, you know, two or three hundred and fifties to make us all eat our words, the start of the season, just because of that interrupted preseason, hasn't looked fantastic for Turbo. Frio are struggling as well. They don't have as much midfield depth as they have in previous seasons. I'm not sure that she's going to average 100 this year, let alone the 115 that we know she can. I suppose for those who are unaware of what happened to her in the preseason, uh, I think the whole family that she has there got COVID, but all at different times. So she spent about four weeks in lockdown consecutively, which really, really interrupts when you're trying to build fitness. The thing that I would say, though, is that in the last couple of weeks, her first quarters have been enormous. I think she put up a 40 in one and then a 54 in the other. And then she's just tapered off as clearly the you know the end of games, it's hard to run them out. But as the season's going to progress, she's going to be building that fitness. And I think by the time we get towards you know round seven, eight, and nine, she's going to put up some monster scores once she puts it all together. Yeah, she's only taken four marks in three games. So probably because of that preseason, struggling to cover, cover the ground as much, still getting... Decent enough tackle numbers, only five in round one, which was very, very low for her. But, you know, 12 and 10 the following weeks, it's just not getting the the extra points that we're so used to her getting. And that, to me, is why I think she'll probably finish the year with an average much lower than we're expecting. But as you say, Jono, there's a big chance she could be a huge upgrade target in that mid-season to get some, hopefully, gigantic scores to finish. I just want people to make sure they're keeping her in their trade plans because in, in two to three weeks, she's going to be very, very cheap. For Bowers anyway. <laughs> Round five, she plays West Coast. Yeah, she'll be very, very cheap in that she'll be priced around the price of other premium midfielders. So <laughs> I'm not discounting her. It's just she's not quite passing the eye test at the moment. So I would just caution on getting her in just yet. Now, I know we've talked a lot about Alice Parker on this pod, but I think... Her at M5, there's only a few that are challenging her for that spot. I think Tilly Lucas-Rod is one that's that's very strongly pushing there. Emily Bates has had a very, very good start to the season. Uh, Emma Swanson is very much picking up from last season, having to carry that West Coast midfield. Uh, and Mon Conti. Do you think any of those are, for you guys, closer than any others that are pushing into that top five? I'd probably go Bates, personally. I think that Brisbane are on fire and she's a big reason for that. I love what Tilly Lucasrod does. I just worry that the way Hawthorne are, there might be games where she just 
can't get the ball as much, but she would probably be my second option. I think for me, it's it's Tilly because she's never what. Why why tag anyone at Hawthorne? It's not like it's Hawthorne. Why bother tagging? They're losing. It's more a case of well, why bother having a run with roll in a side that may not win a game for the rest of the year. Whereas sides are going to put a lot more effort into Emily Bates and trying to stop her from scoring, as we saw in round one. I think that's the that's the flag there. Not to say that she won't score well. I just think that if you know you're making a choice between what I expect to be two very similarly averaging players, I think I'd preference Tilly. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really go wrong with either of those two. Conti, I mean, I picked her at the start of the season and I'm spewing that I got rid of her still, but we, we've kind of seen that she's an impact player and as good as she looks when she plays those super dominant games, her ceiling just isn't quite there. Like, she was really, really dominant the previous week, only got to 105. As you say, this week, she kicked three goals pretty much in a half and only ended up on 87. So I think she's the sort of player that if you if you end up with her in your lower half of your midfield at the end of the year, just because of that, you, that might be who you can afford, sure, you'll be happy with, but I'm not sure she's going to quite hit that top bracket. Now, I might just pause us here because I'm very excited to see that our round ranks have come through. <gasps> For you guys who haven't been following, and I'm just going to run through them here. Uh, Mel has moved up from 45th into 23rd spot overall. Oh, wow. What a round for her. She is doing very, very well. A round rank of 263. Clearly a few people have uh, fallen away there. I think I've jumped up into 154th overall, which I'm pretty pretty chuffed with. Will, you've snuck inside the 400, actually. Whoa! You're at 392nd Goodness overall. Me. Uh, and then Liam, you've... Also snuck inside the 500 at 488th overall. Woo. I was not <laughs> expecting that. I've just quietly been creeping up in my uh, my points. At this rate, I'll hopefully be somewhere around 100 by the end of the season by going like <laughs> 20 or 30 spots every week. Yeah. Also, my official round score was in fact one point less than what I'd calculated. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, just just to annoy you, yeah. Yeah, look, I think we had a, a new overall leader as well. We've got Rocky Road in first place now. A lot of change at the top this season, so doing very well there. But they put up a, a 1,212 this round, coming to first overall. So well done to them. <sighs> Liam size, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to be hearing me. a lot of those now, aren't we? You, you're going to find me at. Round, you're going to find me at rank 600 next week because it appears I'm just going to go down 200 ranks a week. I'd also like to throw a <laughs> shout out to the this week's top scorer with uh, 1285 with possibly my favourite name I've seen so far that isn't a player pun, which is the Hemoglobin Trotters. So congratulations to them. <laughs> you're such a medical nerd. Yeah, I think this is the biggest score we've seen this season, isn't oh, it? Enormous. But you'd expect the scores to be getting higher as uh, people bring in better players, so... But yes, fantastic effort. Let's let's jump back into our midfield. So we've we've gone through our top tier players here, and I think it's important to keep those in mind because I think this is the line to upgrade on. If you can afford it, this is where you're getting most of your points. So if you can target any of those players, great. If you can't quite afford that, there's a few mid prices that I think are worth talking about. Liam, the first one was actually your pick from our preseason mid price madness. This is Grace Egan 
from Richmond. Do you want to tell us how she looked on the weekend? She passed the eye test that I thought I saw in the Hawthorne preseason <laughs> game, which I think might just be a Hawthorne Richmond issue, but really looked looked excellent on the weekend. Got up to a ninety three, anchored by an impressive five marks, which she really had not been involved that much in the kick mark game. Also had a goal, had twenty three touches. Really looked to be an integral part of Richmond moving the ball forward. Now. It comes with the obvious caveat that it's against Hawthorne, who are, you know, Paddy Pans just flying around in the wind when it comes to stopping other teams from scoring. Gee, it was wet and windy uh, yesterday too, so... <laughs> yeah, it was grim for that game. But I, I, I really think that she, she was hitting all of the stats in the same way I was in, I was anticipating that she would do after watching the preseason. Yeah, no, very, very solid there. A game where she dominates, which isn't against Hawthorne, would be nice to see, because... <laughs> There's, there's too much of this Richmond just tearing us apart in the midfield for me to really be happy bringing her in. Yeah, I think it's just a case of worth worth watching to see if she can do that once more. I think that the key thing there is the marks, like five marks after she had not had a single mark all season. If she follows that up again next week against the Dons, um, who are not exactly like leaky for fantasy scorers, they've only allowed one score to a midfielder of of any of note and that was to Swanson this week who's a genuine superstar if Egan can get to 70 or 80 this week I think then you can start to think about bringing her in another one that I really liked the look of was Emily Pease so this is a Giants midfielder I think with Chloe Dalton and Tate Mackerel going down to season-long injuries uh, and that's on the back of another season well we think it might be a season-long injury to Beck Beeson, who hasn't come back from concussion protocols yet, and it's been a number of weeks. Emily Pease was the big body in that GWS midfield, and I think she had something like 90% center bounce attendances. Very, very good tackler. She led the game for tackles, and if she is going to be in there for the rest of the season, could be a very good value buy. She comes in priced around that 51 to 55 mark, depending on her price movement, and yeah, I think I think could be one that just grows into the role and puts up a lot of, you know, that 70 to 90 mark scores, which, uh, you know, for someone at her price is going to be a lot of value. Yeah, I think the only thing that worried me, watch, or actually two things with that game, is that one, it's Sydney, uh, who, again, a bit like saying, oh, but it's Hawthorne, uh, but also had 10, uh, 16 disposals, but with 10 hand passes, which... You really just doesn't make you feel very comfortable. My my thoughts though is that no team in the competition has had less disposal than the Sydney Swans. They do not get the ball on their hands very often, and she still managed seven tackles against them. When she plays a team with actual first touches, could she get over ten? You know, and that's the, that's where the scoring is going to be based on. I reckon that was like seven, six of those seven tackles were on Lauren Zagetti, and and then I don't know who else it could possibly be. <laughs> Going down to some of our cheaper options, now that we're getting into upgrade territory, we've got to look at some rookies we're happy to move on and some that we're, I suppose, trying to downgrade to. So I'm going to throw a couple options at you guys as to whether or not you think maybe it's time to move them on. We're going to start with Port Adelaide. Will, I'm going to start with Jackie Yorston. What do you think there? Very rude, for starters. Um, (laughs) yeah it's a very targeted question here i want to know what you're doing i think i think the favorable favorable draw at the moment to me says hold out i think that against 
a Sydney next week and then Gold Coast. I think that there's money to be made. I think she's someone that should hopefully gain another 10, 15, and then you can trade her out in a couple of weeks. Hopefully you've got a few more rookies out so you can put her right up to someone like a Lucas Rod or hopefully in my case I'll be looking at a, a Bowers or a Marinoff, but whether I get there is to <laughs> be seen. Liam, we were having an interesting chat because Abby Darrick was not giving the midfield minutes that we wanted her to. Uh, yes, it would appear that Port Adelaide decided that everyone who was having CBAs the week prior shouldn't get them anymore. So Liz McGrath, off you go. Abby Dowrick, rising star for round one. You can go half forward, half back, on the wing, anywhere that isn't in the centre. My girl Jackie Austin as well. She was playing a bit off uh, half forward and tagging a bit as well. Just bit bit of movement at Port Adelaide, which is a bit of a worry, as you say. But I guess because of that easier draw... Does that make Abby Darrick a hold? She's not a guaranteed hold for me. I think she probably has another week to go, but I think she very much fits into the camp of she will be highly owned amongst the higher ranking teams because she was the rookie to have to get you up high in the first three weeks. It's now a question of when do you jump off and you always you would prefer to be a week early than a week late. Well, the last one that I want to bring up for trade-out options before we move to trade-in, Imogen Evans. Uh, she was really killing it in the first two weeks, putting up uh, back-to-back over 50, but then only a 16 this week. Is that a is that we've just played Geelong and they're tough to score against, or is that a sign of the role's not there anymore? A bit of both. I worry against Adelaide as well. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of ball to be gotten against the Adelaide midfielders, so she'll be relying on tackles. Will she get in that midfield against Adelaide? I'm not sure. So to me, she is a, a rookie that's ripe for the trade-out. All right. On the other side of things, players we want to bring in, there's two which I think might be worth paying up for, the first of which is Keely Skepper uh, from the Carlton Blues. Uh, if you've enjoyed watching you know, Mimi Hill, Abby Mackay, or Keely Shearer, Add, add another very similar-looking player there because <laughs> between the four of them, you will have no idea who you're watching. Are you talking about slightly shorter uh, Carlton midfielders with blonde hair? Yes, because they, they are very hard to tell apart. <laughs> it's ridiculous. The good thing is that they all rack up the ball. I was loving... I brought Keely Skepper in last week in the end uh, and put up a, another 60... I think it was a 66 yep, this week 66 after a 67, 67 around prior. Yeah, no, no complaints there at all. Was she on field, though? She was not. She was not. I had Derek and Smith on over her, which mm. was okay. I'm not, I'm not complaining there. Who knows? Yeah. He might have actually just had Abby Mackay, but it was actually Keely Skepper. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think they are going to be very, very cheap to bring in. So be very happy to bring in Skepper if you can get the right upgrade on the other side. I think that's worthwhile doing. The other one is I've heard some rumours uh, that potentially Montana Ham is back this week. Mm, I've heard that Do as well. Do we immediately jump straight back on board? I think it's tempting. I think that's the one that if you're looking to go sideways from a Dowrick or even a Tam Smith, if she does, and this is going to come down to if she gets named, because you could get absolutely burnt if she doesn't. Are we going to know beforehand is the question. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, we, no, we, we know that the AFLW injury reporting is not exactly uh, exemplary and mm-hmm. we won't know before rounds come out. I don't think I can sign off or you know be associated with trading out Tam Smith 
I think if you wanted to say you just downgrade Jazz Fleming, I could be totally on board with that next week because you would know then you would be much more likely to know that she is playing. I I think that Tam Smith scores fifties basically as her as her floor because she's just likes being around the ball enough. A little bit cheaper down the list, we had a couple debutants this week. The first is one that I am quite keen on, and that is a Hawthorne player, Isabel Porter. So Porter came in to play midfield minutes at the Hawks. Uh, I think she is an outside runner more than she is an inside runner, but the Hawks are sorely lacking a lot of good outside players. I think Gilroy and Ashmore are probably the only two that really get involved uh, spreading outside of the contest, which means a lot of times when the Hawks were looking up in this game, you could see Porter was out in a wing uh, or off halfback kind of looking for that short kick option. And I really like that sort of thirst for the ball that you don't see from a lot of players. So it was only a 42 on the weekend, but I think that is one which has some upside. She's only 18, so she's going to be settling into the game over the next few rounds. I can see that going pretty well for her. Yeah, I don't mind that as an option. She's definitely a player to, to look at if you're looking for a downgrade, possibly for someone like a barber. I don't think she's an on-field player. Oh, I think yeah. you could, you could, you could. I, I think we could co-sign to her being on your bench, but I don't think you could put her on field versus a skipper who definitely passes the eye test. Is an excellent kick. Uh, I think you could put skipper on field. Yeah, as I said, to me, she's the sort of player that you'd be looking to move on a, a barber or someone who's sitting on the bench scoring. Not fantastic. Maybe a Hannah Stewart is another one. Look, another player that debuted on the weekend was Jade Halfpenny at Port Adelaide Power. Liam, we were watching that match, and she was really stuck out as a one-on-one deep forward. Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty clear we, we don't rate key forwards at expansion teams, uh, particularly when they are not sized like a key forward, but yet they sit in the forward 50 the entire time. Uh, it's, a, it's a no from me there, dog. Good. All right. Well, we might move on to our rocks because moving on to the Sweet 16, I think this is potentially the easiest decision we had to make for our top 16 here. And this is Brianne Moody, number one ruck. She did it last year. She started the season very well, currently sitting with us just under a 78 average. This is, this is a very comfortable one. I think the only reason she didn't get past that this week is because it looked at quarter time like Carlton were well on top. So she sat forward for the quarter, and when the power quickly piled on four goals, she was immediately brought back into the ruck lineup, stayed there the rest of the match, and was a big reason why they were ended up dragging themselves back into a drawing position. Is there anyone in the mix there, guys, that you think is potentially worth bringing in instead of her? It's going to depend on price, because Moody's going to be the most expensive ruck, and is going to stay the most expensive ruck, simply put. So in this category especially if you've gone for rookie rucks to start you're probably going to be looking at one of the cheaper mid-priced options that can get close to Brian moody so i i think that there are a couple of mid-price options but i just want to flag the fact that in the first game we've seen in a long time where poppy kelly did not play the entire game gab seymour hit her highest score ever and one of the few hundred plus scores that we ever see from a ruck and she looks absolutely excellent. She It doesn't matter where she is on the ground, she will score. If there's any word of, of a longer injury for Poppy Kelly, I think I would almost prefer to go Seymour for the ceiling versus going to, to Brianne. 
looking at the cheaper options there, Olivia Fuller has come out in the first two games this season and put up career-high numbers. And I had big question marks over whether this was just a blip and then she was going to return to form. But on the weekend, she was even better. Put up another score, I think it was a 68 this week. And she even picked up five coaches' votes. Very, very impressive stuff. Is she going to be able to keep this up? You say even better. It was her lowest score of the season. It was her lowest score, but it's it's more <laughs> about the impact she had on this game. I've been very keen on Full. I traded her in this week and was very happy after Celine Moody put in a, a putrid 24. So very happy to have avoided that one. We were very keen on Fuller as a rookie rec last season because she had the VFLW form to suggest that she could compete as an AFLW ruck. Didn't quite come together in her first season, but she looks to have come back a bit stronger, a bit fitter, and is getting around the ground and getting disposals a lot better than she was previously. So to me, she's a, a good shout to be in that top three or four. Uh, depending on how Seymour goes. And at the moment, she is priced, She is still priced under 100k. Will probably be priced around about 80k this, this uh, week. So with that rapidly increasing price, if she is a player that you are looking to, to jump on to lead your ruck division, you probably want to get on sooner rather than later. Look, in the interest of time, I might keep us moving forward. We've got a very settled top five here. Uh, a few new entrants to what we'd predicted at the start of the season. But at F1, we've got Jazz Garner. F2, Ash McCarthy coming in and having a great season so far. F3, Abby Mackay. Woo. <laughs> very, very happy that she's done this. I thought she'd be good, but this has blown my mind how well she's been going. F4, we've got Tyler Hanks. And bringing up at F5 is Kate Hoare. I don't think that there are too many options that are actually even pressing for it. But I think the top three to me seems very, very settled. They are high above the rest. So you've kind of got Garner and McCarthy with averages over 85. And I think those two, I'll be happy bringing in either of those if you can afford them. Mackay, with the news of Maddie Guerin's gone down with, I think it was an ACL we saw earlier. So she's going to be out for the rest of the season. If anything else, having Mackay's midfield minutes are going to increase from their already high stage. Do you guys have any reservations on those three players? No, nah, I, I think they're pretty pretty solid for top five if the, at the lowest, really. The only thing is West Coast are truly horrendous. And so I just don't, like, I think that's always just a, a little flag when it comes to, uh, to midfielders. And in particular with Ash McCarthy, where she's not even the best midfielder. So just that's my only minor trepidation yeah McCarthy has shown in the past that she's definitely got a very good ability to score so I think even if she doesn't always hit the heights that she started this season with with her 99 I think she'll be good for at least a 70 average and that's going to put her pretty high up in the forward um, rankings regardless yeah I reckon it's just a case of two versus three Abby Mackay I'd say plays on a slightly better side and probably has the better role. But yeah, I, I think I'm just splitting hairs at this point. We've got the two Melbourne girls at F4 and F5, but I think breathing down their necks, we've got a few players in Chloe Malloy from Collingwood Pies. You've got Greta Bodie at the Lions. Ash Sheridan has also put up very, very solid numbers to start the season at Collingwood. And 
I think there's a sneaky chance that Caitlin Ashmore has gone over 70 both of the past two rounds. She might also be an option to break into that fifth position. Any of those, do you guys think, would you be picking between? Or is there anyone I've missed out on? I do like the two Collingwood ones. Malloy, we know, can really score well. But unfortunately, we know as well that she can just bounce around her role and score terribly if not in the right role. So to me, I don't think the consistency of scoring is there to put her into that top five. Sheridan's looked really, really impressive uh, in that more midfield-centered role. A sneaky chance, but I wouldn't put her ahead of the two Melbourne girls. I would echo what you've just said almost exactly. I would almost, I think I'd probably prefer Chloe Malloy because even in the games where she hasn't dominated midfield time, she's still managed to get pretty close to a 60. And then we know that when she dominates, she can get up to that 80 mark. Whereas Sheridan, you know, we just haven't seen necessarily that same kind of ceiling. Is there anyone else that I have missed who deserves to be in the mix? I think it would be remiss of me not to to mention the Essendon player who's one of the highest averaging forwards. I believe she's the sixth highest at the moment. And that's, uh, that's old Bond. That's Bonnie Too Good. Uh, obviously, it comes with the caveat of role where she's playing as a, as a pretty key position player, even if she does play relatively high. And then she also chops out in the ruck, which does kind of push up her ability to score well. I think it, you know, if you think that she's going to keep kicking one to two goals every week and and hit that sixty five, I, I, you know, she's not a bad player. I just don't know if she struggles from not having a ceiling. Because mm. I also look at it and say, Essendon were dominant against West Coast and she's only scored a fifty seven with no goals, so that to me is a bit of a flag. I think they were almost too dominant though, because the previous two weeks were against Carlton and Hawthorne. Both games, they were very much in. They've actually started far too well for an expansion side. But, you know, I I think it was more of a case of they could spread the goals around just because they could. They didn't need to be hitting up their number one yeah, target. She actually time. hasn't kicked a goal since round one. Too good, which is interesting. But she's had six tackles in both the last two games. So good to see from a key mm-hmm. forward. I think just two things to comment on there. West Coast, I think the only position of strength they have outside of Emma Swanson are some of their key defenders. And then secondly, Jono, try not to be too bitter about the fact <laughs> that I go for an expansion seat who's actually very good. This whole comment of like, oh, they're doing too well for an expansion team. <laughs> no, no, they're just making you look bad so you feel bad. Yeah, hey, I'll be as bitter as I want about that. <laughs> look. Putting aside the expansion sides, if we talk about our forward lines, I think generally across the comp, most people would be happy with their forward lines right now. I don't think there are too many highly owned forwards that are failing. So I doubt there are going to be many trades, but one that I do want to talk about is Amy Whelan because she missed last week for the Swans, a very surprise laid out, and she's actually 35% owned. So that's something that a few coaches are going to have to look at. I think this week it's a trade. Uh, where would we be going? Because you can kind of go sideways to a, another highly priced rookie or we can be going right down uh, basement price and try and look at an upgrade elsewhere. If you're going to that higher priced rookie, uh, Liam, I might throw to you, where do you think you should be going this week? I think that the, the clear target, if you haven't already got her, is Hannah Ewings. She was the best port player on the weekend. And it was, it was pretty comfortable. She's now looking excellent as a midfielder and shows the ability to score with a 73 on the weekend. I, I think that would be the clear target in my mind. 
Hannah Ewings is is a clear target. Paige Scott is probably the other one. Um, I think almost everyone has Ella Roberts, but if you don't have Ella Roberts, she also looks super impressive. So they're all very easy sideways options. The one we haven't talked about who will be a bit cheaper, who was a very popular one pre-season before a shoulder injury, was Zali Goldsworthy, who kicked two goals on the weekend for a 56. So might be a, a good option if you just want to go a little bit cheaper to get a little bit of extra money. Zali comes in with pretty excellent scoring pedigree in the juniors and was someone that I was really keen to watch in the preseason game and it was just unfortunate she hit the she got that shoulder injury. I think the problem for Zali and it might be it might preclude her from being someone you start on your field is that she only got up to that 56 on the back of two goals which is also indicates of how much time she was spending as a near permanent forward. I think you'd be worried if you had to start her. But as a as a downgrade target, she'll still be cheap this week, and definitely a you know a, a worth a look. There's such a a glut of forward options, I suppose, Jono, that I, I want to suggest a few of them who you might people might be looking to to move on or or keep, who are sitting in that sort of bench spot. So you've got a few such as uh, Vicky Wall, Riley Wilcox, and the other one was Lauren Zagetti, who's also been playing quite well. So of those three. Which ones are worth keeping and which ones would be probably the priority to trade out if that's what you need to do? I think of those three, the first two, I'd probably be very happy to move on. Wall is, I mean, she looked a little bit injured on the weekend, so I wouldn't be too confident that she'd be named even. Uh, And even if she does, her scoring hasn't been too high. I think I'd said a couple weeks or last week that she playing as a forward is is a tough gig. So unless they've got a good run of games ahead, you want to be, uh, I suppose, kind of keeping her on your bench. Riley Wilcox had potentially her best game of the season and only put up a, a 34, I think it was, in the end. So 35, yeah. She's she's won 35, one, one you could very happily move on. To me, Lauren Zagetti, she almost looks like she's warming up. I feel like she's getting better and better every week. And at some point, she's going to put out a, the, the sort of score that you can very comfortably rely on. And particularly because she started with a couple 40s, she's got a bit more cash to make than the other two, who sort of started higher and have drawn back a little bit. I agree with that. 40, 43, 43, 53. As you say, Zagetti's probably the one that you're worth keeping, but the other two who I have, I think, are probably on my radar to be moved on, possibly to a Goldsworthy just for a bit of money. I think the I think the big thing with uh with Lauren Zagetti is that she is an excellent in and under clearance player. And I just think that she's by far and away the number one option to touch the ball first at any contest from Sydney. I think it goes her, a yawning chasm, and then Brooke Lachland and Cynthia Hamilton. And I think that really does mean that 43 is a a really great basement score. And if that's your F5, I think you're sitting pretty. We might jump into our captain's call. Liam, you had another successful round here. I think we had of the top... Top 10, I think only one of them fell below 80. So another very, very solid round from the captains. Who is going to be our number one choice in this week ahead? So my number one pick this week is going to be Ebony Marinoff. And that's because I found a very interesting statistic uh, this morning. And that is Ebony Marinoff, when she is uh, playing at home, she averages 90 
When Ebony Marinoff is playing away, she averages 119. And this week, she's going up against Collingwood in Collingwood. Now, I don't think that she'll get a tag. I think Collingwood are good enough to get their hands on the ball at the contest, which means she'll be able to get the tackles. I'm predicting big things for, for Noffy this weekend. Yeah, that's really interesting. How is How does that apply this year? Which games has she had at home and which have been away? Home game against Melbourne, where she didn't score very well. That was a, a 76, I believe. Away against Richmond, and she had 100. She had 101. Yeah. And then an away game against North Melbourne, then 131. Yeah. No, look, this is all checking out so far. <laughs> the irony is, and I'll just say this, is technically it was a home game for them against North Melbourne. It was just not at their usual home ground of Adelaide Oval. Ah, uh, okay. Clearly, she just doesn't like Adelaide Oval to score on. It was at uh, Unley Oval, so yeah, different, uh, different stadium to normal. So she's not playing at Adelaide Oval. Whack the C on her, apparently. Well, this is great. That's a nice, easy captain choice for me this week. So great to hear. Why don't we jump into some listener questions? I think the first one here, Will, I'm going to throw to you. This is from Joe Roper. Thoughts on Vicky Wall and Erica O'Shea's prospects going forward? Oh, I've said it all along. The Irish recruits worry me a bit. They're very up and down in terms of their scoring. Vicky Wall, for me, as a player, I am certainly looking to move on. Her and O'Shea have the odd game here or there where they hit reasonable scores, but I think there's probably going to be a few 20s and 30s in there as well. So I think there's better cheap-priced options to go with, so I'd be trading them out. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if Wall hadn't been injured, I would have been hoping for the better run ahead, having got through those two tough games. But with that injury risk hanging over your head, it's just not worth it. I might move on to you, Liam. We've got a question from Steve here, which is, considering the length of the season and the limited ability to achieve a fully upgraded team, do we just keep Celine Moody and trade around her, or do we need to move her on? And that's, I suppose, coming on the back of a 24 on the weekend. Yeah, I, I think that the role is that putrid, that she's a must-trade. And I think the only re- I think the reason why you could have kept her until now is that you could quite reasonably question whether or not Alice Edmonds had this run of form in her to justify her maintaining full-time ruck minutes, essentially. However, she is, I believe, currently leading the competition in both hit-outs and hit-outs to advantage by a considerable margin... And she is beginning to actually get involved in the play around the ground. And the current structure of the Western Bulldogs forward line is the best that they've looked, well, as good as they could have hoped once they lost um, Bonnie Toogood. I don't anticipate the role changing. I think she was very lucky to score what she did against Port Adelaide and then again in round two. And I think the 24 is indicative of a highly inconsistent role as playing as a key forward who, who's a chop-out ruck. Yeah, and I think the other thing about this is she's going to keep losing money. So to me, you must trade her out at the moment, especially while there are very, very viable mid-priced options in players like Fuller, um, Sarah Lakai playing very well. You can even trade her straight for the player who's taken her role, which is Alice Edmonds, in fact. Well, while you're on that, we have a question from Berv, which is about the best option for basement or mid-price rucks currently. Do you want to walk us through that in a little bit more detail there? In terms of rookie rucks, apart from the Whale sisters, who both look pretty good this week, there's not a whole lot 
rolling around. So you're probably going to need to look towards that uh, mid-priced option. And there are a few pretty good mid-priced options below that 80 mark, assuming that Fuller stays below that 80 mark. She very well could uh, go above that this week. But if you can afford an upgrade to one of a Fuller, an Alice Edmonds, I think Alice Edmonds has looked fantastic. So a bit cheaper than Fuller, not a bad option. Uh, and Sarah Sarah Lakai is the other one that we've been quite um, quite vocal on. I, I am very happy to admit I was wrong on her and her scoring abilities. She has looked fantastic uh, so far this season, but to me, those are the three that you'd be looking at to upgrade uh, McCormack or maybe even a Liz McGrath. Uh, Bailey is asked, with Meg McDonald struggling again with a 32 second week in a row, uh, what do we do? Do we persist given the lack of options or do we just cut our losses? And I might jump in on this one. I think to me, this is a this is a trade. There's, there's no point in holding someone who's around that 60K mark. I think we've got to take her down to a rookie if we can't find the cash to go up. So to me, I'll be moving on to an Eastman, an Amber Clark, uh, even all the way down to a Yasmin Dersmer if you feel confident that she's going to play again. But Will, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I agree. And I think if you've already got Eastman and Sheeran, those two are probably scoring well enough that you can run a third rookie if you do want to go down from Meg McDonald. Because Eastman at the moment is riding that top bracket of defenders so i feel like playing her as your m3 you're not going to be too worse off so if you can't get up to someone like a carney or a randall i think it's a very very handy play to be able to play someone like a a dersma as your your fifth defender for mcdonald so i think you're right jono the role hasn't really been working just because of the way geelong's been playing so i think you do cut your losses uh, and a last question here is from Jack. If you're happy with your guns and mids and your rookies haven't earned enough to shift yet, what do you do? Liam? Uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. It, it really does depend on how good your guns are, how good your guns and mids are, are really looking. I think there are still going to be some downgrade targets. So... I think that it's a classic case of you kind of pick those rookies that you've got on your bench with the highest break-evens and you hit up a Azali Goldsworthy who should come in with close to a negative break-even this week and will probably be you know guaranteed to, to play. She would have played round one if it wasn't for the injury. And I think you just kind of just say that, you know, whichever of the worst rookies that you've got, you know, they've failed to be that cash cow and you just kind of, progress and and hope that someone like Zali is uh is the play we're now at the end of our pod i think before we jump off as we usually do we're going to jump through our trades it's a bit tougher this week because the game hasn't yet updated with updated prices and you know lockout hasn't lifted so we are yet to actually go in and throw in the numbers but i'm just i suppose looking for initial thoughts what you guys are thinking of doing so I'll give you guys a second to, to think through it. Looking at my team, I think my biggest priority is to move down Meg McDonald. I think I'm going to go either up to Schleicher, and if I can't afford that, probably take her down. For me, I think Ellie McKenzie with a great, great score this round, but she's probably going to be on the chopping block for me just on the basis of I don't think that she's going to be able to do that against non-Hawthorne teams. So. <laughs> I've got. I'll bring Lauren Zagetti on field, and I might even move McKenzie and McDonald. See how big a midfielder I can afford, because I could be able to get up to that Tilly Lucas Rod or Emma Swanson range. 
So that that's probably what I'm thinking at the moment. Uh, Will, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm in the same boat with Meg McDonald. I think at this stage, I've got Slicer and I've got Randall. I'm pretty happy with Eastman. I think I'll probably take her down to get a whole lot of money. Uh, I'll probably look to move on one of my bench players, probably Wall, just because she's got a fair bit of money. So Wall to probably Goldsworthy. That could get me a fair bit of money, so I could be looking to move Yorston up if it's enough. Otherwise, I'll probably just move another rookie onwards and plan for next week. Yeah, I think my big structural change will be to take Sarah Veria down. She's really just struggled to fire, hasn't really done anything different this year. Um, and it probably means that I'm having to start one of Bridie Kennedy or Breda Tarrant on field. But I feel a little bit comfortable doing that on the back of the fact that Molly Eastman is scoring like a, a near primo um, defender. That would then allow me to probably also bring in a, a it would probably be Varia down to uh, Achilles Skepper, um, who I see as being a real target this week. And then I'd probably be looking at what other trades I can do, what other upgrades. I'm not really set just yet. Um, it could be a case where I, I maybe take a Joanne Doonan down to Goldsworthy and then see how much cash I've got left over and, and just have a play around. I'm really not set this week on where my upgrade's going to be. I just kind of know which players I need to, to trade out because they're losing money. Yeah, no, good to hear. Love the trade plans, guys. Look, we might wrap it up here. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. If you want to follow us on any of our socials, you can find us at FreeKickWPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Steven. I'm on Twitter at LMTom1. And I'm on Twitter at LaninaEffectFKW. Coaches alert. Remember, I've already mentioned it once before, but this is now becoming a running thing. Do not forget about the fact that lockout will occur before we have Saturday teams. Good luck, everyone. See ya. See ya. See ya.